All right, you remember the churches we've looked at the last couple of weeks? Two weeks ago, we took a look at that church that was up on that big rock pillar. Do you remember that? Remember that? And that was a kind of an analogy, a picture of the connection that we don't want to have. We want to be so far and distant from people. And then last week, we looked at that church that was out on that island off the coast of Spain. Anybody remember? You had to kind of walk up to the top. It was those 230-some stairs to get up to it. And people say it's a lot of effort to get there, but it's worth it. It was a great analogy for growth, that when we grow, it's, it's never easy, but the value of it is always there. Today, I want to show you, in fact, you've already begun to see the picture of a different church. I want you to see the picture of a church that serves, and it has been just an awesome few days to watch and see you serve in our community. That's, that's at the heart of who we are. See, the vision of Calvary Church is life change. And we believe that life change happens through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that when you have that relationship, your life is changed. It's, it's our filter. As we determine who we are and what we do, our, our decision-making process is this. If lives aren't changed, then it's not worth doing. And we've watched and seen that life change happens when certain things take place. Life change happens when we connect, grow, and serve together. And, you know, we started a study of the book of Acts, and we've been chipping away at the book of Acts, and we're all the way through chapter two now. We're killing it, right? I mean, we're just, we're moving. Now we're going to pick up speed a little bit more as we, as we get out of chapter two. But it's been so important for us to see what the church is supposed to be all about. And so we've spent several weeks here on the, on the last part of chapter two, verses 41 through 47, and we've seen the church connect. We've seen the church grow. And today we're going to answer a question what does it mean to serve? We're going to serve as a church, in particular, if we're going to serve as Calvary Church, what does it mean for us to serve? To get started and to see that, I want you to take a look at what happened just yesterday over at the tabernacle at the block party. If you would, please turn your attention to the screens. If you're living your life the way that you should, people will see what you're doing. If, if you're living as the light of the world, you can't hide it. I'm really excited about the block party on Saturday as part of the Love the 419. The block party is attractional ministry. It is gonna attract people. People who would normally come onto the property of the church are gonna come on Saturday because we're gonna do some cool things. There's gonna be uh, free food, face painting, games, giveaways, you, you name it, they're gonna be out there. And, and then there's gonna also be an opportunity to just to share our faith with those who come and show up. And we'll be able to invite people we've never seen before to come and be a part of one of our two services on Sunday. So the block party, it's just a natural fit to evangelize and reach our community. We're going to answer the question today, what does it mean to serve? I, I, want, to, I want to answer that in three different ways. Um, have, you ever, have you ever had a song that you, it gets stuck in your head? Maybe you don't know the whole song, but the music's just catchy, and it just kind of gets there, and then that, that song just gets stuck in your head. Anybody else? A couple weeks ago, I couldn't fall asleep because I just had this, I, and I only knew like a certain line of the song, and it kept going over and over in my head. And so you just have that one part, that catchy music gets stuck in your head, and then later, you, you like go back and look at what the lyrics actually say, and you're like, I had no idea that's what that song was about. Have you had that happen? I did not know that was about. Sometimes you're like, oh, I shouldn't listen to that song. 
Well, actually, the other, there was like, I'd heard like a chorus of some kind of song somewhere, and I was like kind of just humming it and singing it the other day, and one of my kids looked at me and said, no, Dad, no, don't ever sing that. You, you, it doesn't mean what you think that means, you know? And so, but it, why did it get stuck in my head? The reason it got stuck in my head, because it was great music. And the thing with great music is when you hear it, you're drawn to it. You, you want to experience it. And what's the power of great music is that eventually, if the music is great, the lyrics will get to you. The first thing I want you to see today about serving is this. Number one, make great music with your life, with who you are. Number one, make great music so that people will see it, so that people will literally hear your life and it will affect them. That when they're around you, it'll get stuck in their heads. Why is that? Because if you make great music, people will listen to the lyrics. The music will get their attention and eventually they're gonna hear the message. Our preaching can sometimes just be loud lyrics that are ignored, but if we live it out, if we live our life in a way that grabs others' attention and and gets stuck in their heads, if you make great music, then people will listen to the lyrics. That's exactly what happened to the first church. Acts chapter two, verse 47. Remember, we've been studying this. The, the, The day of Pentecost happens, the church is born. We've watched and seen them connect, grow, and serve. God's been doing big things. This is how Acts chapter two ends. It says that the church was praising God Watch this. And enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is how the account ends. That as the church has connected and grown and served, it has had an effect on those around them because they've heard their music and now they're listening to the lyrics. People saw that there was something different about them. And as a result, it says, and this is interesting there, it says they had the favor of all the people. Now, if you read on in the book of Acts, you're going to go, doesn't sound like they had much favor. They, they kept being persecuted. How can you say they had favor when they were experiencing persecution? What's interesting, and you see this not just in the book of Acts, but you also see this in the account of the life of Jesus. Who was it that was bringing most of the persecution? It was the jealous religious leaders. It wasn't the people. Oftentimes, what were the people doing? The people were coming. They were following. They were curious because they had heard great music, and they wanted to know what it was all about. Your life will affect people if you live it in a way that is attractive and draws them. It's this powerful thing, and it says that they experience the favor, interesting word there, the favor of all the people. There's something about that word favor, when when God brings it, when you find it with other people. The the clearest passage that I know about this in Scripture is Proverbs chapter 3. Look at this. Solomon writes, let love and faithfulness, two important words, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. If anything's gonna motivate you to serve others, to serve your family, to be a servant, it's going to be love and faithfulness. And when you show love and faithfulness, that scripture says that literally, when you do what you're called to do, that as a result of your love and faithfulness, there is favor that comes. And scripture says you win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. This is a principle that's all throughout scripture. And before we even get to this idea of serving, recognize this, because some of you say, I I need to know God's favor, his presence, his blessing, his his sustaining in my life. How are you gonna find it? Look, favor follows the faithful. If you want God's favor in your life, 
then recognize this, that favor follows the faithful. Have you ever, have you ever been around anybody that's famous? Like I've, I've had this chance a couple times in my life just to be around somebody that's kind of a big deal, famous, a hot shot, typically you know, like a politician or maybe some kind of you know, big deal entertainer. And you get around somebody like that and you'll notice they're never alone. They always have somebody with them. They always have their people, their posse, their entourage, right? They've got that. Because if they're famous, they're like, hey, no, 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 don't put that down. We'll put that down for you. No, no, don't pick that up. We'll pick that up for you. You need something, we'll get it. We'll be there. Famous people have people with them, right? Have you seen that? This is kind of true. When I'm out in public with my family, I like to pretend they're my people. (laughs) They don't like it. They don't think that way. They don't do nothing for me. But I like to think it's my people. That's what favor is, right? That when you're out and, and you're, you're living your life, when you're living it and serving others, when you're living with God's blessing, when you're living with love and faithfulness, that favor follows you. It's alongside with you. You see God's hand at work. I'm not saying everything's easy. I'm not saying everything is, is simple or that you're always just kind of rolling in blessing. I'm saying you know that you're not by yourself, but that his presence is with you and you have his favor. This passage is interesting because you see very clearly that the church is living a certain way and other people are saying, we want to be like that. They have the favor of all the people. Have you ever interacted with somebody and said to yourself, that's who I want to be like? I want to be like that person. I have some mentors in my life, pastors that are friends that I look back at and I go, that's, that's who I want to be like. I want to go through different seasons of my life in the way that that person went through those seasons. And I think you start this when you're a little kid. You see things you want to play in. When you're like in junior high and high school, you, you see people or there's, there's things in media that influence you. You want to be like that. When I was in high school, do you know what, what show was real popular? Does anybody remember Miami Vice? Yeah, all through high school. I didn't want to wear socks. I lived in Ohio. I had to wear socks, right? Because you see something and you say, that's... Anybody over 30 is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's, it's okay. But that's how our lives should affect others. First Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Look, when you make great music, when people can see your life, they might not get it, but there will be something that's, that's attractive about that. And it's going to point them to God. Good deeds show God's glory. And this is really important to see. That the things that you do, the way that you live, your good deeds show God's glory. And if, if the world needs to see God's glory, it couldn't be any more clear. Because we live in a world that's filled with stress. Amen? Filled with pressure. Filled with tension. And it's a place where we need to show others who God is. Here's a, here's a good analogy for it. There was a, this was in the news this week, this last Monday, there was a, a truck in Tacoma, Washington that was filled with bread dough and they were delivering the bread dough and it was very hot. You see where this is going, don't you? And because of the pressure and the heat and the yeast, all of a sudden, as this truck's driving down the highway, the dough like exploded and started seeping out of the truck onto the highway. 
It was, it was a mess in Washington State, right? So this trooper had to go and help him out, you know, and, and pull him over and stuff. And so she, the, the state trooper, she took a picture of it and posted it on, on Twitter. And she began the whole post by saying, don't, <laughs> like that. And I just thought, she didn't need to do that. Yeah. Maybe that's just how they roll. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Look, our world's like that, right? The world's just waiting to blow up and make a mess. And as the people of God, we need to show the world something different. What it's like to have peace, what it's like to have grace, what it's like to make terrible jokes. We need to show them these things. Why? Because Jesus said, bring them hope. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See what he's saying there? As as you're the light of the world, as as the deeds that you do affect other people, it's going to affect them. It's going to change them. They'll not just glorify God, but their lives will be different. Good deeds change lives. Jesus didn't say look good. He didn't say preach long sermons. He didn't say be better than everybody else. He said do good deeds. Your light will shine and lives will be changed How do we know that happened? Because at the end of Acts chapter two, it says that after they've connected and after they've grown and after they've served, it says that they enjoyed the favor of all the people and that on a daily basis, the number was growing of the people who were being saved and added to the church because, get this, as they made great music, people started singing along. Isn't that the effect of great music? People will want to sing along Make great music and people will sing along. One of my favorite things to do when I'm out in public, you know, with my people is, is, uh, is to embarrass them if I can in some way publicly. And so we'll be out in a store and it's, it's best if it's a song from the 70s that I know and they don't. And so I'll just start singing at the top of my lungs. How sweet it is to be loved by you. My kids find a different place to go. Rhonda says, stop it. People might know who you are. (laughs) I don't care. You know why? Because it's great music, and I can't help but sing along. That's how your life should affect other people. That as people see Christ in you, they're drawn to know what is that. How can it change my life? First thing it means to serve, make great music. Some of our, some of our folks from Calvary did this uh, this past week. I, I watched as some of our teams went out and had the chance to, to travel a little bit with one of the groups that went and, and went door to door sharing love with others. We want you to see a little bit of this. Please turn your attention to the screens. But many of these houses... Um they tell stories and, and you'll see some houses are boarded up, some lawns are well taken care of, and you're gonna notice as we drive around, you're not gonna see any grocery stores, so 
getting fresh produce to these people is a little bit difficult. We often say that there's a food desert here because uh, for whatever reason, uh, probably economic reasons, uh, grocery companies won't come and build in the central city. And so the people in this community are, are, are left with uh, carryouts. Uh, they don't have access to, to meat. Uh, they don't have access to uh, veggies. And so as a result, you know, we have a community that's not very healthy and a lot of the diseases that exist in our community are preventable. A lot of uh, them are in hopeless situations. Hope comes from, from love. So the way that we can generate hope in a people is through loving on a people, demonstratively loving people, not just in words only, but also in deed. It, it lets people know that someone else cares and you're not showing up to ask them for anything, which usually when someone knocks at your door, you're thinking, okay, who is this? What do they want? And we don't want anything. We just want to bless you. Okay, help me out. Here's a phrase you've probably heard before. I'll start it. You finish it. Don't just stand there. Do something. Here's the second thing that it means to serve. Number two, do something. This is what we see the pattern in scripture. And you'll see this over and over again, that it's not enough for us just to talk or think about something, that what we're called to do as followers of Christ, if we're going to serve, is to do something. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They saw a need and they said, how can we meet this need? The need was there. What do we have to do to fill it? And if you read through scripture, in Acts, you'll see this. In Paul's writings, you'll see this. In James' writings, in John's writings, in the teachings of Jesus, over and over again, this principle is there. And this was actually the, the theme of our very first serve week back in 2014. It's still in the back of our shirts. What are we called to do? We're called to do something. When you can do something, you should do something. When that time comes that there's a step you can take, there's somewhere you can respond, there's something you can do. When you can do something, don't ignore it. Do something about it. Because you have resource, time, talent, encouragement, insight, experience. You have love to give. As followers of Jesus Christ, we can never just turn a blind eye to the needs of others. Wasn't that the point of the story of the Good Samaritan? The priest, the Levite, they, they just go by on the other side. But the Samaritan, the, the least likely star of this story, is the one who said, look, I can do something for this person, even though they're different from me. I can reach out and I can help. Now let's give just a, a little bit of maybe caution or wisdom in this for a moment. It's good to begin with this. Recognize this, you can't do everything, right? No one person can do everything. I mean, even uh, if, you, if you've flown before and they're going through that really exciting speech before you take off of all the safety things, all the things that could go wrong, do you remember that? Right, one of the things they say is, look, if the oxygen masks deploy and you're with someone who needs assistance, then, then you put your mask on first and then take care of that child or that other person because it's important that you can take care of yourself or you're of no good to anyone else. Look, th this principle is true in life that, that, that I don't shirk my responsibilities or my duties to serve. Because for some of us, as soon as I, I talk about, hey, just do something, if you see a need, meet it, we can have a tendency to go, I can have a tendency to go, look, I gotta do something about everything. <laughs> you can't do something about everything but the key is, what is it that you are supposed to do? 
See, for many of us, we, we never ask a critical question, the one that could change everything. No, you, you can't do everything, but ask this question, what does God want you to do? Not what do I want to do, not what does someone else put pressure on me to do. I think for each one of us, and, and we're wired differently because of our experiences, because of our backgrounds, because of our, because of our heart, because of the passions that God gives to us, we need to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? The question at some point is, is am I being responsible with the gift that God's given to me? Let's look at a couple of scriptures real quick. First John chapter three, verse 16. Look at what John writes. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then he starts meddling. Watch this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. How did God show his love? Well, he sent his son to die. He, he gave, he sacrificed, he did something. And so the call is that if God has done that for us, then what are we doing? How are we responding to serve someone else? I have to be willing to use what I have to bless others. And John calls us out here. He says, look, hey, words and speech are not enough. It's not enough. It needs to show up with actions and with truth. You, you saw about the grocery giveaway in that video, and, and um, I had the privilege to go from, from door to door with one of the groups um, on Friday for a little while. And as, and as we were doing this, it was so cool to watch just Calvary's people love on others, knock on a door, say, hey, there's no strings attached. There's nothing we want from you. We just have some groceries we want to bless you with. We want to give this to you. And then they would ask, is there anything that we could pray with about for you? And so sometimes people would be just like, no, I don't really have anything. And then sometimes people would share just a really deep need and to be able to stand there, pray with, bless others. One of our groups was out. And as they were out going from door to door, they got to this one door, knocked on the door, gentleman opened the door, was very, very gracious, took the groceries and, and they prayed with him. But he wasn't like overly responsive, just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, thanks. And, and so then they went down, you know, to the next apartment. And as they were moving along, they, they turned back and they saw that this guy was walking out of his apartment. And as he walked out, he locked the door and he walked away and he was carrying the bag of groceries that they had just given to him. And so they were like, hey, is, every, is everything okay? Do you need anything? Is everything good? He says, yeah. He says, you, you just came and gave me this bag of groceries and it made me think of my friend and he needs them more than I do. So I'm gonna go give these to him. Isn't that a powerful thing? That when you serve someone else, you have no idea the ripple effect that might have for others. That as you give, it has the potential to not just influence the person that you serve or that you minister to or that you care for. It has the potential to go beyond that. That's God's love. God loved us so that through us, others could know his love. God's love for us becomes God's love through us. It's not just love that we hold on to for ourselves. We're not supposed to put ourselves just in some kind of bubble and stay there. We're to go outside of that and let God's love for us show up and become God's love through us. See, that's actually a trait of, of followers of Christ. Interesting passage. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work 
doing something, that sounds familiar, right? Doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. You see the transition here? Now you might go, how, how does this fit? We're not talking about stealing. No, we're not, but we're talking about the, the principles of what happens when Jesus changes us. And so for this person who had had a life of crime, Paul says, look, when you stop stealing, when you stop taking, it's time for you to start giving and start sharing that Christ in us changes us. And that's not just true of, of those of us that, that, that they're saying, well, I don't, I don't steal, I don't take, that's not my thing. But at what point has my mindset shifted off of myself and onto others? Here's the truth. Christians stop taking and start giving. So, so what do you have that makes a difference? What is it that God has given to you that it may be time for you, how can I take this thing and, and use it for someone else? It may be time for my selfishness to be traded in for greater generosity, to take a look at this idea of how do I connect, how do I grow, how do I serve, and know that others could be blessed if I'm willing to serve. What does it mean when we say serve? It means you make great music, and when you see a need, you, you do something. And I want to show you a third thing before we wrap up today, and, and to help us to do that, I want you to hear from some of the folks who were with us the last few days down at Serve Week. If you would, please, turn your attention to the screens. a big deal to get out into the community and to show people not just the light of Jesus, but also that just people care about them. Like, you go into some of these neighborhoods and people have never seen that anybody cares about them, that anybody has taken care of them, that anybody would go out of their way on a Saturday and be like, I just want to throw you a black party. love to serve. I, I just love that. I think I get more out of it than the people that I do serve because it just makes me feel closer to God. It, it was just a chance to get to experience what we can do when we just totally abandon our, our self-consciousness and just serve and love on people. Anytime you can give back and, and support a group of people that maybe cannot support themselves, it gives them a structure to go to, somebody to go to. Um, it gives them something to believe in when maybe they didn't have anything. Just fixing a bike, I mean, it, the simplest thing, a flat tire, right? Anybody can fix a flat tire. Just fixing something small and, and seeing them. I mean, there's a kid that didn't have a bike and rode out with a bike that you, you couldn't have done before, smiles. This is what's important. Like, this is the important things. It's not, you know, work projects and all this other stuff. It's people. Isn't the look on that kid's face awesome? She's riding that bike. There's this concept in scripture that I think is, is really important for us not to forget. It's this idea that when we bless others, we find ourselves blessed. 
Third thing that I want you to remember about serving, number three, be blessed by blessing. That you can be blessed by blessing. Tra- track with the biblical idea here for just a few moments. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about generosity. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. There's real truth in that. I know there's times when, when I've tried to do something to help or encourage somebody else, and then I find encouragement coming back to me. Anybody ever had that? Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and here's the promise, and he will reward them for what they've done. Whenever I serve somebody, I'm, I'm always, for some reason, caught off guard and surprised at the blessing that comes back to me. You've probably done this. You, you want to go and encourage somebody who's sick, and you think, boy, I bet I can really encourage them, and then you leave, and you're the one who got encouraged. Have you had that happen? There's this time when you want to give to somebody in need, and, and you're the one who walks away feeling blessed. You say, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances, and even though it seems like you're losing something, instead what you gain is his blessing and financial stability. Here's the deal. When you serve, it, it, it boomerangs, right? You bless, and what comes back to you is blessing. It's a biblical principle. Now, understand this. You can't manipulate God. Anybody who went down you know, to serve week and said, I'll go do this, but God, you better bless me. That's not how it works, <laughs> right? Leah better be nice to me. That's not how it works, okay? He's not obliged to bless you just because you're generous or kind or giving, but it is something to keep in mind because when you look at the big picture of this thing, and, and you know what it's like, especially if you're a parent, there's times when you, you watch your children do the things that you want them to do, not because you provoked them to, not because you threatened them like you usually do. It's not because of that. It's because out of their heart, they're doing the right thing. And, and what's your desire as a result? It's to bless them. It's to honor them, to reward them, to give back to them. See, look, blessing is not our motive, but it is our reward. We don't serve or bless others to be blessed, but know this, it's not your motive, but the promise in Scripture is that it is your reward, that as you bless others, you will be blessed. Okay, Chad, sounds like a good deal, but what if I don't feel like serving? What if I just... What if I just don't feel like it? Have you ever been there? I've been there. And look, this isn't just about serve week. This is about your family. This is about being a servant in the workplace. This is about giving of yourself to others, setting aside maybe what you want. This is a biblical principle to do the thing that you know is right. Chad, what do I do if I just don't feel like serving? I have to remind myself that when I serve, it's good for others, it's good for my family, it's good for my community, and ultimately, it's good for me. And if I'll remember that, even when I don't feel like it, it's a great motivator to remember to serve. I have to say to myself, don't stop serving just because you don't feel like serving. Don't stop being the servant that God's called you to be just because you say, I just... I just don't feel like it right now. Look, that's, that's most important in your home, being a servant at work, honoring your spouse, 
Strengthening that relationship between parent and child, seeing a need in your neighborhood and meeting it, being willing to step in to a role even here at Calvary as we're growing and being willing to do what you can. Just because you don't feel like it does not mean that you don't have to do it. And why should you do it? Because you're blessed when you're a blessing. We're wired to serve. And I gotta be honest, here's what I've found out. When I take my eyes off of myself, that's usually when I see more clearly. When I take my eyes off of myself, that's usually when my vision improves and I see more clearly. Some of the greatest lessons I've learned in my life, the most growth that I've experienced, and to be quite honest, the, the, the strongest relationships that I have have come because of experiences and times when I've served with, for, and together with other people. And some of you may go, look, I'm, I'm drained or I'm frustrated or I'm wondering where hope is in life, or I've got big things ahead and I'm not sure I'm gonna make it, or I've got these issues, or I've got these opportunities. And in the midst of all this, sometimes we come to God and we say, God, how can you help me? Look, we already talked about this. His favor follows the faithful. And that when we're willing to be obedient in the ways that he's created us and to serve, his blessing comes alongside. Here's the principle, Isaiah chapter 58, verse nine. Some of you may need to write this down. This is powerful. He says, and remember, it's good for me to look away from myself. He says, if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday and the Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. I love this next part. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient, I have people by the way, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. There's this biblical principle here, and understand this, that making a better world makes a better me. And if I'll recognize this, if I'll do the things that God has created me to do, if I will trust him, if I will look to him, if I'll be willing to make great music and do something, I will find that I am blessed by blessing. That's what we mean when we talk about serving. So pray about what ministry God would have for you to be a part of. Look around your neighborhood and see who you could serve. Maybe connect with, a, with, a, with an organization or a, or a ministry here in town where you could make a, a meaningful contribution. See the needs in your family and your friends and meet those things. That's what God's called us to do. I, I wanna thank you because these, these last few weeks have been a little bit different. Because oftentimes we'll, we'll take a, a biblical story and we'll kind of walk through those things, but we've stayed parked here for the last few weeks. And the reason we have is because the text has taken us to the very heart of who we say we are as a church, that God has called us to, to bring life change, and to connect, grow, and serve with others. And we've talked through these things because as we have a foundation about these things, it will help us, especially as we move forward in the book of Acts, to be the church that God has called us to be. And look, I don't want you to miss it because the temptation in our world and our culture is to just kind of sit back and let somebody else do whatever. And know this, you have been called to connect and grow and serve. There's a, there's a shopping mall in China that has introduced, let me, let me read just a quote from the article. They've introduced a novel way of keeping despairing husbands entertained while their wives go shopping. 14 guys just sat up. 
The, glass, the, the Global Harbor Mall in Shanghai has installed four glass pods where bored spouses can go and play retro 1990s computer games on comfy leather seats. This is a real deal. You can, you can search this on the internet. These little round glass deals that the guys go in, they sit in these leather chairs, and they play Space Invaders. Praise God, it's awesome to see this, right? It's been popular with husbands. They write that like they're surprised. It's been popular with husbands who are keen to stay in one place while their wives shop. Can I get an amen? Watch it, buddy. You're in trouble now. Okay. They interviewed this guy named Mr. Wu. This is what he said. He said, "Um, I do not like to accompany my girlfriend shopping, which now probably means I do not like to accompany my former girlfriend shopping. That's probably what it means. He says, so whenever we go out shopping, I'll look for a movie to see or find a place to eat and sit. He said, sometimes when my girlfriend's shopping, I play on my mobile phone, but now the mall has a machine and I can let my girlfriend feel at ease shopping. And then they, they talked to some of the ladies and, and the ladies had this mixed review on these, they're, they're called these husband rest cabins. Some women, some women said the devices meant they could shop guilt-free, but others said that they were concerned that they could be left waiting around for their husbands to finish playing a game. Let's just get something straight. You're worried about waiting? What do you think we were doing before they invented these pods? We were waiting. But, but I had to get that off my chest. Okay, so here's, here's the thing. Not a bad idea, is it? Except I think it's symptomatic of something in our world right now. That in moments when something's going to cost us something, in a relationship, in serving somebody else, I'd rather just retreat into my own little world. I'd, I'd rather just kind of ease into something a little bit more comfortable, something that's going to distract me, that's going to keep me from actually what's outside the bubble in the world around me. I'd rather be here and safe than out there where it might not be fun or convenient. But that's not real life. And more than anything else, that's not what God has called us to do or be. Friends, the church will never be what God's called it to be. Your life will never be fulfilled in the way you want it to be. You'll never know the thrill of accomplishing God's purposes for you if you stay in your comfortable bubble. What he's called you to do is to connect grow and serve he's called you to recognize that bringing life change to others isn't my job it's not somebody else's job it's your call and when we all recognize that do you know how he's going to use the church it's going to change the world so father thank you for the picture that you've painted for us these last few weeks as you've called us to see that as your people you want us to connect and grow and serve and be used of you to see your kingdom move forward. And so God, in this moment, we stop and we we look at our own hearts. Lord, for some of us, the, the way we've lived our lives may honestly have been a little out of tune. And Lord, it's time for us to make great music so that people will see that the song that we're singing is about Jesus. Lord, for others of us, you've put, a, you've put a need in our hearts and you've said you can respond in some way. God, would you help us to do something about it? And God, thanks for the reward that you've promised. That when we're willing to bless others, there's a truth that we're going to find ourselves blessed. 
So Lord, may we be a people who are known as servants, that they know us by our love, that your love for us that's in us would go through us and change the world around us. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.